It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, right? Everywhere you go. The shopping has begun. Chances are you have gone into portions of your attic and maybe a section of your basement you've not been in for 11 months. I still need to do some of that. Arguments and discussions or highly tested discussions have begun between couples on whether to have an artificial tree or a real tree. That discussion has been happening for 30-some years in our household. I would love to have an artificial because I get kind of sick and congested every year when the real tree's in the room. But needless to say, <laughs> guys, we don't win, all right? We picked out our tree yesterday, put it up last night, and I'm already beginning to feel the effects in my allergies uh, this morning. And since December has arrived, a term has been used and will be used in greater frequency in days to come. It's the word holidays. How many of you heard already a million times maybe happy holidays? All right, the term, the word holidays in the Urban Dictionary is described as this. The feelings of confusion and excitement people have between Thanksgiving and Christmas. The blur one feels while shopping for gifts in crowded stores and going through heavy traffic for the holidays. There's even an Instagram page entitled Miserable Men. It is full of pictures of guys falling asleep, staring aimlessly into the distance as they sit on the floor of the mall or the shopping center waiting for their loved one to emerge. It might be hours, it might be days, right? We just don't know. I found myself sitting in the Hobby Lobby parking lot yesterday for at least an hour waiting for my wife to emerge from the store. But just because it's December, not only does Christmas shopping and those things can kind of, be honest, make me miserable at times, December itself can bring along with it as another year comes to an end, discouraging times. Maybe we're searching for direction, Maybe we're longing for hope. Maybe we're existing rather than living. Or maybe you find yourself surviving rather than thriving. Or maybe you're just getting by rather than pressing on. Maybe the bills have piled up. Appliances have broken down. Maybe even your adult child has questioned whether there is a God or not. The job demands are overflowing and you find yourself right now running on empty. I don't know what each of us brought today into worship, but I do know this. Every single one of us are carrying something. We're carrying something. Maybe it's a long to-do list or maybe it's overwhelming feelings of loneliness. 
Today, as we begin this new series, it's entitled, A Road to Hope. I am convinced that the birth of Jesus has the promise to change our life, not only for all eternity, but right now. And I want to encourage you to go behind the scenes with me in the next few weeks as we discover the meaning once again that's wrapped up in this little baby boy. It would have been impossible for even Mary and Joseph to have an inkling of all the implications of God becoming flesh and entering through a manger. So why did he come? Why did Jesus come? Who really is Jesus? What does he offer? Well, whether you realize it or not, the answer to those questions are found in one book of the New, New Testament. It's called the book of Colossians. And before we get into Colossians chapter 1, I want to give you a little background. That letter was written to the city of Colossae by the Apostle Paul, and he chose to let, write a letter that was all about Jesus. In way of background, Colossae was a very, very wealthy area. It was right next to the city of Laodicea that you may remember from the book of Revelations, which was also a wealthy city. This is a wealthy area in general. And because of their affluence, it began to breed cynicism amongst them. And once they begin to understand that money really wasn't the root to all joy, they then begin to alter their belief system. And in that community, there was great confusion understanding why Jesus actually came. Paul writes this letter to the people of Colossae. There was a mixture of Greek philosophy and a smorgasbord of various ideas on how to interpret the gospel message. As a result, Chip Ingram writes this. You ended up having people who denied the deity of Jesus Christ because they assumed since he came in, fle in the flesh, he must be evil. So he couldn't be from God. And today, just like in the city of Colossae, there are people who are floundering, searching for significance. They're floundering in their faith. They're floundering for some type of ultimate meaning in life, confused. So thus we have people who turn to psychics, turn to astrology, turn to all kinds of different things, seeking direction and meaning in their life. Not realizing that Jesus offers ultimate fulfillment and the ultimate direction for us. Your life is never meaningless. It's not a journey to nowhere. Just as every thread in a tapestry has a function, God has a plan for every single life that he's created, even yours and mine. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says this, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that you may, so that no one may boast. And then in Colossians 1, 12 through 14, Paul writes, giving thanks to the Father 
who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The manger represents transition. And when Jesus departed heaven and entered into this world through the manger, he made rescue for you and I possible. In fact, he allowed us to go from lost to loved. And in this one paragraph in Colossians chapter 1, we can pick out four reasons why Jesus came. First, when he entered into the doorway of the manger, he came to qualify you. He came to qualify you. What's that mean? How many of you have ever applied for a loan? Raise your hand. All right. I'm going to search for better light here on this stage. Christine, you might have to help me. They have it adjusted for theater and not for speaking. And my words are going... But it's much better, Doc, wherever you are, all right? Much better, but not there yet. All right, here. Uh, what do you say? <laughs> I got as big as I can put in here. Hey, hey, Gary, there's light. Let there be light. All right. How many of you ever applied for a loan? Let's go back to that. You know when they, you apply for a loan, they have to determine whether you are a risk or not before they give you money, realizing that you will pay that money back. So they do a check on you. They check to see if you've been employed for a long time, if you've paid your bills on time, all of that. Then they come back and they have approved your loan. And they will say to you, you have been qualified. You've been qualified. Well, when you and I, those of us who have accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our life, and we've committed our life to follow him, what happened that day is the God of all creation looked at you and said, you're qualified. She's mine. He's mine. You're qualified. You are a part of of me. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, Paul writes, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he's loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. By grace, you have been saved. So you've been qualified, even though you don't deserve it, because of the grace of God. And I love this. Someone said, he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Meaning that all of us have been called to follow Jesus Christ, and therefore we are qualified. When Jesus left heaven to come to earth, he passed through the manger not only to qualify you, but secondly to claim you, to claim you as his own. Colossians 1 again names you as an heir. Verse 12 says, you've been qualified to share in the inheritance of God's kingdom. 
Now imagine with me that you're going through your snail mail tomorrow, and you know you're sorting through there. There's all kinds of advertisements. There's bills, of course, but there's one letter that sticks out. In the return address, it's an attorney's office. So it piques your interest, and you open it up, and you notice that it is an invitation to appear at the attorney's office on December 19th at 1 o'clock. It's addressed to you personally. And what's going to happen there, the letter sh shares, is there's going to be a reading of a will. Because a long-distant relative of yours, who you were unaware of, passed away, and they have left you as an inheritance as a part of their estate being willed off. So you're to show up December 19th at 1 o'clock to see what you are going to inherit. It. How many are going to show up December 19th at 1 o'clock? <laughs> yeah, because what is in that will, what has been given to you, may have the potential to turn your life upside down financially. You're going to show up. And the inheritance you're going to receive is not because of anything that you've done. Not because of anything you've done, but it is only because of the generosity of the one who has given it to you. Paul says this, in addition, Ephesians 13 and 1, 13 and 14. In him, you also, when you heard the word, the gospel of salvation, listen to this and you believed in him, were sealed with the promise, promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So Jesus came to this earth to make you an heir of his kingdom. Third reason, Colossians 1 again, verse 13. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So the third reason he came was to rescue you. Rescue you from what? From darkness. Paul says from the dominion of darkness. I, I love that phrase. There are things people are willing to do in the dark that they would never do in the light. Thus Satan is called the prince of darkness. C.T. Studd was a preacher decades ago, and he used to say some people like to live within the sound of church or chapel bell, but I'd rather run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. I'd rather run, rather run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. That's the way he was wired up, all about saving and reaching lost people. How are you doing on that? What kind of priority do you have in your life for sharing Jesus Christ with other people? And you've heard me say this before. But when's the last time you cried over somebody that didn't know Jesus? It's tough. December 
is the opportunity for you and I, in many ways, better than any other time of the year, to reach into the darkness and pull somebody into the light. December. Because it's wide open. Part of our purpose statement, our mission statement at Northside, you know it well, is love God, serve others, and then what's the last one? Win one. December itself presents many opportunities to share the hope of Jesus Christ. Everyone's open to hearing about a tiny baby that came into the world to save them from their sins. Take advantage of that. Chuck, raise your hand back there. You awake? Chuck, there you are. All right. Kevin, raise your hand, buddy. All right. Kevin just came last week, and the reason that he is here, uh, he just moved into the area from Brunswick to an apartment here in Medina, and the reason that he is here is because of Chuck. Chuck, if you notice anybody, you know the big white public transportation buses that go all over Medina County? You know what I'm talking about? Well, if you see one going like this, it's Chuck's. All right? No. Chuck drives that. He drives it quite often. And Kevin just happened to ride his bus. And thus, Chuck used that opportunity. He's lucky. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but case in point, wherever God has planted you, use that as an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody else. This morning, that's why we give you these invite cards on your message outline this morning. These are left over from our glow stick event. But give this to somebody, whether it's a cashier at Giant Eagle, whether it's a bank teller, if you go inside the bank anymore. Use this, uh, and there are more downstairs on the table. Invite cards for Christmas Eve, and also on the back is the opening of our, well, 2022, which will be probably February, beginning of February, that we go in to the new building. One more reason, <clears throat> and that is he came to redeem you. He came to redeem you. Paul points out that Jesus came so that you and I could be redeemed through the blood of the Lamb, through Jesus Christ, and be forgiven of all of our sins. So if we were to boil it all down as to why Jesus came, redemption and forgiveness would be his leading motivation. He came to seek and to save you and me. The book of Hebrews reminds us, without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness of sins. I don't know about you, but that just doesn't sound fair. For a baby to enter into this world, to live a perfect life, and die on a cross for me. That's unfathomable to me. And yet that's what God did. He allowed his son to become a pure, perfect sacrifice so that all of our imperfections could be paid for. 
Paul says this in Romans 5, 7, and 8. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person one might dare to even die. But God has showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For those who put their trust in him, for those who believe in him, he redeems and he forgives. He gives us a fresh start. That's why he came. He wanted a sinner like me and a sinner like you to have hope, to have joy. He allowed us to go from being lost to being loved. That's the road to hope. That's the road to hope. And there's a time each week where we enter into a time of remembrance of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, a time of communion. And as you do that this morning, as we're about to sing a song and enter into that time, remember, he came to rescue you, he came to redeem you. That was his purpose for coming through the manger to earth. Let's stand, let's sing this together.
get to find in that name, that name of Jesus. I just want to take a moment to read scripture when it all started, this prophecy. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. And he did, church, amen. God sent his only son to die for us, to give us that hope. In Romans 5, it says that faith and hope produces endurance. And endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces even more hope. And the hope of Christ will never disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit of who Jesus Christ is and was. Because we are helpless, 
God died for us. Because a person does not just die for another person. Jesus died for all people so that we could enter into heaven if we choose so. But God proves his own love for us in that while we are still sinners, Jesus died for us. How much more and can we be justified? Only by his blood are we saved. We're in such a weird time with a virus that seems to never go away and keep developing. But COVID changes, but our Father will never change. Jesus is on top of it. He knows what he's doing, and sometimes that hope is hard to give him. But just as it says, that hope that we have produces endurance. Endurance is what makes us be able to last and to keep going. It's because of Jesus and that sacrifice on that cross that we get to be here and worship freely. We get to stand here. We don't have to worry about a virus. We can have strength and stand firm in the fact that Christ died for us because we are sinners. So as we approach this time of communion to remember that sacrifice, just remember that the Lord, the heaven, the God of armies, has a commitment to you to take care of you and to give you peace. Let's go take communion. Thank you, Lord. Father, we give you glory because you're never changing. Father, I pray that as we approach the conclusion of this message, that our hearts are open because you're not done yet. God, help us to put our hope in you. You are never changing. Focus our hearts on you. God, we love you and praise you and we honor and we thank you for Christ alone. It's in his name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I shared earlier, all of us brought something to worship today some kind of heaviness, some area of our life that needs attention, needs hope, needs a spark maybe. I want to speak to those of you who might be needing a little bit of hope. 
this Christmas. Perhaps you've lost a loved one. Maybe a mom, maybe a dad, grandparent, husband, wife. And this is going to be your first Christmas without them. Or maybe even it's your fifth or tenth Christmas without them. And the sting's still there. It just hasn't gotten any easier. Maybe you haven't landed the job that you wanted. Maybe the house hasn't sold. Maybe there's pressure in your life like never before. Or maybe there's just a hole there that just doesn't seem filled quite yet. You can need a little hope for a number of reasons. But I'd like to pray for you, specifically for you this morning. Even though I don't know what area of your life needs that spark of hope that only God can give, God does. God does. I was going to ask you to kind of go out of your comfort zone and just stand where you are because I want to pray for you specifically as we wrap this up. Just stand. Father, we want to thank you. God, if we could we get on our knees and be prostrate to thank you, God, for allowing your son to come into this world to give us a road to hope. And God, I thank you for everyone that had the courage to stand right now, God, God, you know this world can be discouraging. From the loss of loved ones to the misdirection of family and disarray to God, just life changes. Things that happen that we don't see coming, God. God, I pray specifically for every person who's standing right now God, that you would fill that hole. Because we realize, God, there are holes in our life that, God, only you can fill. And so, God, I pray for an extra measure of your Holy Spirit, an extra sense of your presence, God, especially through this month. God, may it be through the lights, may it be through the senses and smells, may it be, God, through the experience again, a fresh experience of your son's birth, 
and what that means. God, whatever it is, please give these folks hope. Restore their hope. Restore their spirit. God, that's what the church is about. That's why we come together. To lift each other up, to encourage each other up as we press on. Because this world is in our home, God. We thank you for filling us with an eternal joy that goes way beyond anything this world has to offer. And God, we pray this in the one who has given us hope through his sacrifice on the cross. Jesus. Amen. I love what was printed on a Christmas card, and I think I've shared this every Christmas season since I saw it for the very first time. The Christmas card on the inside simply read like this, Christmas is love tugging you back to God with the powerful clasp of a tiny hand reaching out from a bed of straw. Read that with me. Christmas And that's how much God loves us. That's how much God wants to reach out to you and to me. For you see, this just wasn't a baby. This was a savior, the hope of the world, a hope that fulfilled God's purpose and God's purpose then and God's purpose now. But you know, it doesn't do a whole lot of good For God to be born in a manger and offer all these things we've talked about today as reasons that he came if God isn't born in here. If Jesus hasn't been born in your heart. Because we can sing all the songs, we can do all all the things that come along with Christmas. But Christmas is never Christmas for real until Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. And we want to encourage you to step out and do that today. Just proclaim Him as the Lord and Savior that He is. We'd love to talk to you about that. Because until you do that, wholeheartedly, you'll never know what hope really is. Let's stand. Let's sing this as we close.